The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help support the show by clicking on the donate button on the website or in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. This is and X, and this is The Candid Frame. We all live such ordinary lives. We get up each morning, take a shower, brush our teeth, get ready for work or get the kids ready for school. We go through each day in activities that are very similar to the ones that we've done the day before and the day before that, making the time seem like some homogeneous blur. We don't think of those moments as being especially interesting or even memorable. Yet in the hands of the right photographer, those very same moments can be fodder for something really interesting, beautiful, and even poignant. Moments that are both familiar and ordinary can take on a quality that reveals something about ourselves and each other that we often miss in that blur that is our lives. Photographer Susan Rosenberg-Jones is a photographer who's able to do that, whether she's photographing her neighbors in her New York apartment complex or her husband during the private and intimate moments of their lives together. Susan demonstrates that there is nothing that is too ordinary and not worthy of our attention when it's observed with curiosity, respect, and love. So what, tell me about this festival. I don't know anything about it. Oh, the Filter Photo Festival is in Chicago. And uh, I've never been. But my photographer friends tell me it's really good. They, ha- they're, they, have, they have portfolio reviews and a portfolio walk where um, you, put out, you put your, your bodies of work out on the table. And uh, I guess if the public is invited and they come and they look at your photography. Um, I had gone to Photo Lucida this past yeah. April in Portland. And that was a big deal. It was my first ever uh, portfolio review setup uh, affair. And I guess it's every two years. And then uh, I was talking to some people and they said Fel- Filter Photo Festival in Chicago was really good, as is Photo NOLA in New Orleans. And that's in early December. But I'm going to have to skip that this year. Uh, because I've already spent a lot of money on this stuff. But um, Filter, they said the people who run it are really great. It's a very, very nice uh, situation. And, and I'm going to uh, try and uh, show some people my work who hasn't who haven't seen it before or who haven't seen it in a long time. So, How, how was that first experience in, in Portland? Well, that was overwhelming because it's huge. I mean, there. I think I saw 18 people. I had 18 reviews. Okay. Maybe maybe nineteen because I kind of snuck another one in. Um, it's a lot to digest over three days or four days. You know, some people take like uh, actually tape record the meetings, and I just took some notes. And um, but I met some people who responded really well to my work. I mean, you know, out of the eighteen, there's going to be some who are just meh about it, and others yeah. who. You know, they like it, but they, you know, they're not going to really think of you too much. And then there's this like kind of group that who respond really uh, positively to it. And I show two bodies of work and some um, 
you know, liked some one better than the other, or at least got more excited or something, you know, responded positively uh, to one over another. And so it was good that I showed the two. And um, I also got some interesting uh, ideas from the people. Uh, that's the thing. You want to kind of think, you know, help. I wanted help in um, what should I do with this next or which, you know, what is missing from this? How mm -hmm. can I kind of nuance this this work? Because, um, you know, your photography is so personal that you're inside your own bubble. And it's, you know, when other people look at it, you, you just want, especially if they do respond from the heart, then you know you're onto something and it's coming through. So you just want to make that even better. So it, it's for me, I like to go to these reviews because, um, you know, the people who are looking at your images are, you know, are experienced people and they're, um, they're publishers or gallerists and some of them will never show your work or, but that's okay. You know, I just, it's just good to get the opinions from people who look at a lot of photography. It's kind of like speed dating. It is exactly. It's, it's speed dating. Yeah. Because you have 20 minutes. Wow. And, um, you know, you, you sit down, you open up the portfolio box and you, what would you like to see first? Or sometimes they want to flip them and sometimes I, they tell you to flip them. Mm -hmm. Well, you, that was your first time. Was it pretty intimidating to be with? A little bit, but not too bad. Not too bad. I guess maybe because I'm older and I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not as easily intimidated as I used to be. Oh, and also thing, because yeah. um, the past a couple of years ago, for three years in a row, I was a uh, portfolio reviewer for the Palm Springs Photo Festival because uh, I work, my day job is uh, in the stock photo industry. So uh, people, photographers who were interested in stock would, you know, choose me as a reviewer. And so I would talk to them about their work. So I'd been on the other side of the table. And uh, so I wasn't, so I kind of knew you know, and I enjoyed being on the other side of the table. So I, I figured I would enjoy the, you know, I, it was kind of fun to switch. So what would a good review mean? Um, a good review would mean that somebody was interested in my work enough to um, have some really um, something different to say and some cr critical advice or some a new idea for, that I could pull, you know, a thread that I could kind of pull off. Like, for example, somebody thought that um, with my um, body of work about the apartment complex where I live, that I should, um, because it's about kind of New Yorkers and um, the fading New Yorker because it's uh, because of money and real estate, New York is changing a lot. And um, the folk people I'm photographing have been living in this neighborhood for 30, 40 years. And they're kind of the, the old time middle income New York resident, New York City resident. And um, so someone suggested it that I put, you know, a certain kind of text and uh, not somebody writing about demographics or history, but some novelists or, you know, poets who have lived in New York a long time and have their feelings about New York. And I thought, wow, that was a really cool idea. You know, it just resonated with me and nobody else had suggested that. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing a good review is. Another good review is obviously somebody getting excited and saying, oh, I love this. I'm going to publish it. You know, that's your number one. And that's what happened with um, Aline Smithson of Lens Scratch. Oh, and yeah. She saw my work about my husband and she just, she just loved it. And she said, I'm going to publish it. And bingo, it was just published this uh, last Sunday. So, 
that was really nice. Yeah, that was just that was a lovely uh, that was a lovely article in the work. Thank you. Yeah, because I'd seen your other work with that one. I, I was really touched by. Thank you. Uh, and, Thank you. Yeah, and um, you know some other the other good uh, things that come out of the reviews is people you develop relationships with people who are interested in your work, but they're really not ready to commit to showing it or doing anything with it. But they they like it and they like you and you like them and they, you, it's kind of a new friendship. And um, I think it's really the ultimate goal is about building the relationships. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because if that person really doesn't, you know, necessarily is falling heads over head over heels with your work, they may know somebody who might like it, or they exactly. may think of you when someone else, you know, they're having a conversation. Go, oh, you know, there's this woman who I saw. There's this guy I saw whose Absolutely. work you might be interested that, in. That happens. That happened even during the festival. People, oh, yeah. you know, came up to me two days later and said, oh, I just thought of somebody you should talk to. And she's over there. And, you know, uh, also another big part of it is uh, the other photographers you meet. That is as important, if not even more important. Uh, I've developed new friendships just with, that started with Photo Lucida. Mm -hmm. So well, well, tell me about your, your career, you know, working in stock and because you, you've been involved in the photo industry for a long, for a long time. Yes. So yes. Tell, me, tell me about that part of your life. I worked as a, a black and white printer actually in the seventies and I was a custom printer. And then, um, I, you know, we decided to have a baby and it, I, it was poorly ventilated in the dark room where I worked. And I just said, I'm not, I'm not working with them. I'm not, you know, having a child with two heads and God knows what the mm -hmm. chemicals would do. So I, um, found, uh, employment with FPG, which was a large photo agency, and uh, now it's it's been bought by Getty. You know, it was bought by Getty yeah, back in the late nineties. <laughs> FPG, and uh, I started as a as a researcher in in house photo researcher, and I just loved it. I just loved it. Um, you know, people ad agencies and publishers give you a, they need a selection of photos for to illustrate a book or uh, an ad or anything, and then you just go and you find the photos. You just send them a selection that you think go with it, and. Well, I was just so happy, but I also had a sort of a perky personality and jumped around a lot. So they kicked me upstairs <laughs> to sales. So ever since then, I, I'm, I license uh, images, imagery to publishers, ad agencies, uh, corporate uh, you know, clients. And I've been doing that since 1982. Oh, and that's wow. been my full-time yeah. work. You know, the industry has changed so dramatically that... Um, we're still hanging in as a traditional photo agency where I work, but, you know, we're holding our own and, um, it's, it's gotten interesting. There's been many changes and all the crowdsourced, uh, images and the, the flickers and the, uh, Instagram and everything that's happening, it, it definitely affects us, but, uh, we still have solid clients who appreciate, uh, our experience and, and I, I just love it. I mean, I, I've really had a full career with that, and I've been active in trade organizations like ASPP, and it's American Society of Picture Professionals, and a lot of people in our industry are also photographers. You know, it's just I'm just passionate about photography, all aspects of it. How did, how did that job serve your own photography? Was it like, uh, in part, your own photo education, having the opportunity to look at so much work? Yes and no, because, um, you know, 90% of the, the work that we uh, sift through every day is stock, which is um, 
you know, it's, it's marketing. It's like, it's photographed with the idea that somebody's going to be able to use it to sell something. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of it is, um, happy family on the beach, you know, everybody's perfect, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's a lot of it is really not the, the authentic, um, kind of work that I go for that I really do in my personal work or that I spend a lot of time looking at outside of work. But we do have, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good photography as well. I'm sure all the looking at photos, absolutely. It's somewhere it's sifted in and helped me. Absolutely. Like, you know, I, I, I think I, um, I learned my limit, you know, limits of, you know, I, I, I paid more attention to certain things, lighting and composition as I kept shooting, probably based on, the images that I constantly see through day-to-day -day work. Uh, before we start talking about the, the Building One project, which was the first one that I was uh, aware of, uh, of you, what was this, what were you photographing before you started working on these, these projects? Had you been working on other projects um, for, for a while where you were a, a street photographer, where you're just making portraits. What, what was what was going yeah, on? Yeah, I always was a portraitist. I, I think I always veered toward portraits, and I did do a little street photography back in the '70s and '80s. But I and I was photographing all the time when you know we were raising our daughter and uh, you know juggling work and family and all that. I was, I, but I don't think I was photographing. Anything, I don't think, I wasn't working on any particular projects or bodies of work. I was just shooting when I could. Um, but then my husband, my first husband got very, very sick. And I was hardly shooting. You know, I look back and I think, wow, maybe I should have photographed him. But no, I, I was too sad. But mm -hmm. um, after he passed away, I um, took a refresher class at ICP because I had gone to digital from being a film person and I, I kind of wanted to up my skills and I just got totally sucked back into photography and uh, started photographing with more of a purpose because, you know, I would take my camera out and shoot, but I kind of didn't know what I wanted to, wanted to do. And then I guess because I'd been married for a long time and my husband died, I was like a little bit obsessed with um, couples who'd been together for a long time. Uh -huh. So I started yeah. photographing couples that, who I knew. So uh, you discover things sometimes when I'm looking for a project, um, the project finds me and um, it just finds you. And I, I have a new one of my, you know, kind of out there too that I'm going to try to start. And that also kind of found me. But the, the building one found me when I was photographing my neighbors. I said, oh, this is so much fun because, you know, when my daughter was little, we, um, Halloween was, you know, it was her favorite holiday. And because we live, you know, there are 39 floors in this building and there are like 10 apartments to a floor. The, um, you never had to go outside for Halloween. You just like traipse in, up and down the hallways, up and down the, you know, the elevators just to go to each floor and you trick or treat. And when she was little, you know, the parents go with them. So I would always get to look inside people's apartments. Oh, yeah. And it's fun because everybody, you know, every line has the same layout, but then you see how differently people have it. You know, it's like some people are super modern and slick and, you know, mm -hmm. very minimal. And other people have chachkas and, you know, especially like old ladies. So it was kind of fun to even just look in people's apartments. And um, so that's how it kind of started. I said, oh, I'm going to start asking people if I can photograph them. And then at the same time, all this political stuff was happening where um, in 2004, this used to be a middle income designated apartment complex. And then in 2004, um, 
I guess the, someone bought the complex and he was allowed to uh, break ties with the state mandated uh, middle income. You know, I guess there was a contract. And so he was allowed to charge fair market value for apartments, which means that I can be paying a certain like rent stabilized price, but the person next door to me um, is paying like, you know, three times as much as I'm paying for rent. So there was a little friction, a lot of friction at the beginning. Um, people were being kicked out uh, mostly for, you know, technicalities on their leases. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of us, a lot of people left, but a lot of us stayed. And now we sort of have a protection where we, there was a contract made. We had some good attorneys. So we're pretty safe now. Um, although some people were threatened with downsizing. And some people were downsized, where they were in a two-bedroom apartment, but their kids grew up, and they were forced to move to a one-bedroom. Um, you know, that kind of thing happened, yeah. because they, the, the landlord wanted the two-bedroom to, you know, carve it into a three-bedroom and then charge like $8,500 for it, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So, you know, and it, it's just fascinating, because this is a real community, and also we're in Tribeca, which is... 10013 fancy Tribeca, which is now, I think, the highest rent district in Manhattan. And it used to be a lot of artists and uh, people like us, you know, middle income people, you know, teachers, uh, people, you know, artists, uh, people who work for the city, nurses, you know, all that kind of thing. And um, so it's like really interesting to see what's happening, happened to our community where it's like um, two cultures kind of thing. And I think we're the last bit of diversity in our, na- in our neighborhood. And I'm proud of that. We, we do have a lot of um, diversity in, in this complex. So I'm, um, I got really interested in just photographing the, the old school people who've been here, living here for a long time. And uh, I've had great response from the uh, community here. And that that's, makes it even more, you know, me more motivated to keep doing it for a while. It's interesting that you live in a building and you're friendly with people. You're familiar with their faces because you see them when you're going in and out, you know, when you're getting in yep. the elevator, yep. you know, and and all that. But it's another thing to enter their world in, yes. in, the, in their apartment. Yes. And what what were you surprised by? I mean, you mentioned the fact that, you know, it's uh, maybe the same layout as your apartment and they're doing it differently. But what... What more surprised you as you began entering these people's lives to make to make these portraits? Well, it's really fun because some people, you know, you would never do people who would rent now in uh, 2015 would never do this. But you know, back the back then, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, when people rented, you know, there were more renters in New York. It was a renting city. Mm-hmm. And people just the, the idea of what you know the limits of of the the boundaries that you had then are were much bigger than now. People, I mean, I went into one apartment and um, they put French. They knocked out a wall and they put in French doors. They added closets. They carved out a little. I've had there are people who made like a little extra room, um, but where they they put a partition that's just shy of the ceiling. So if they ever have to move it, I've had people. I've gone into apartments where people knocked down all the cabinets in the um, kitchen and built these really cool shelf, shelves. And I, you know, I've seen somebody. Um, most of them, we have all these 
the old school people, the original tenants have the same ugly um, late 70s parquet wood parquet floors, you know, mm-hmm. the tile oh, floors, yeah. the squares. And, um, but one woman put in like plank, <laughs> she just did a whole new, you know, hardwood floor. I mean, so it, that was really interesting to see how people, they don't care they're renting, they live here and they <laughs> yeah. just did what they had to do. Yeah. Cause I have, uh, relatives who live in New York, um, mostly in the Washington Heights area and they've been there 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that's, that's home. That's home. And that's exactly, that's my whole, that's like the crux of my whole project here is that it's home. This is home and um, people are staying here and no matter how much Tribeca changes and um, what's going on around them, this is home. And so a lot of people, there's deep, you know, you go in and there's clutter and tchotchkes on the wall and filled with collections. And, you know, you could see that people have been living here for a long time. And they just, this is where they live. And they just do, deal with it. So what's the reaction of people, has, has the reaction been to people to this work, especially other, other New Yorkers? Oh, everybody relates to it. Other New Yorkers really relate. Um, they, I hear stories about their buildings or their friends' buildings. Um, they talk about Tribeca and how they've observed the changes here in the neighborhood. And a lot of people, mostly people complain about, you know, how, how we, the good old days were really good because now, um, it's really hard to live here. It's very expensive. And, uh, I mean, even the, you know, our kids, you know, they, everybody lives in Brooklyn now, all our kids live in Brooklyn and, uh, it's, it's gentrifying so fast that they can't afford to live there and they're young, they're artists. That's who New York always welcomed and mm-hmm. it's harder for them to live here. So it, it gets, I, when every time I show someone from New York, this project, they, they respond. I mean, they, there's always a lot of conversation. It does bring up a lot of conversation. And for example, when you take it outside of New York and you're showing people who, you know, are not as familiar with the city, what, what are they seeing? What are they commenting when they take a look at these, these photographs? Well, some of them relate because um, they'll say, well, this is, this is what's happening in San Francisco, or this is what's happening in Berlin. So it's, you know, some people respond that way. Mm-hmm. Other people like, just like to look, um, a lot of them are environmental portraits and say, wow, like this woman, look at her artwork. And is that her work? And is this, you know, they just, um, I, I think they, they, they're fascinated by the vertical living and oh, that yeah. you can be so much at home um, in this kind of high rise situation. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a, it's a fascinating way to, to live, to have such proximity to people. Mm-hmm. And yet you can, the choice as to how much of a relationship you have with them can vary tremendously. Some yes. people can have very close relationships with their neighbors and otherwise other people can have, you know, just can be, can be completely indifferent. But the exactly. fact is you're, you're, you're living next to people for decades. Yep. And I think that's just a fascinating uh, just a fascinating perspective to have because here in Los Angeles, you can, you know, it's it's a little more spread out, but you can have neighbors that you live next to for eight or ten years, and you never know them. Yep, exactly. But, but living in a situation like like yours, you know, you're kind of forced to have some familiarity with people, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the most interesting parts about living in in that city. 
It is. It's fascinating. I mean, we've seen each other's kids grow up just um, riding the elevators up and down, you know, and um, it is fascinating. You know, I remember many a times when my daughter was little, you know, on the floor, the floor here is so friendly, you know, just your neighbors. And um, I remember the two guys across the hall, they made cookies and they put them out, I don't know, one Christmas time. Like they put them, put them at a little table, put in the end of the hallway and all the kids in the, in the hall, you know, were eating the cookies. I mean, it's like, it's, it's really nice. And um, now that I, I'm photographing people and I'm asking people to photograph them, they say, oh, they're, they're recommending other people. And they say, do you know this one? Do you know that one? I said, probably only by sight, you know, because a lot of people, you don't know their names, but you know them. You know, people are, are often very private about their personal space. Mm-hmm. And opening themselves up, you know, to, particularly to a photographer, even if it's a neighbor, yes, you know, still you're introducing a camera into the space. What yes, you- I, it's a very fascinating. First of all, some people it just takes forever to get them to agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they give you a window of like a, a guy will say, "Well, it's my wife. She she thinks she looks bad in pictures." I said, "Oh, don't worry about that." Then I just have to find the wife and convince her some way. But um, once people do let me in. Even if they're not that, you know, they're a little wary, uh, once, just, just let me come in and it'll be great. You'll enjoy it because I really love the experience. I, I mean, I love um, walking around their apartment and looking at stuff and talking about it, you know, because people always have interesting things to see on their walls. Well, one of the things um, about pulling this off is about being persistent, which you certainly have been. But how do you discern where, okay, I need to keep trying with this person? And be and you know and start chipping away so I can finally get mm-hmm. into their apartment and other people where you just go, uh, no, that's that's just not going to work. How do you, because you, you know you're asking a variety of different people and you know some are going to be a wash, but others are possibilities. So how do you mm-hmm. sort of discern um, between those two? I because I'm trying to make a mix. I'm also aware of the big picture and I'm trying to make a mix of. Um, ages and to show that it's not all retirees aging out of this complex and who are eventually just going to, you know, go to a home. Mm -hmm. There are some people here who are still like maybe in their fifties and they have teenage kids. Um, There are still some younger families here and there are a few, which I'm really trying to get now, kids who grew up here and I guess they were on the lease and they, their parents moved away and they still live here. So we actually have young people here who have been, who are, grew up here. And I find that fascinating. I just want to show a mix of ages. So sometimes I'll let people go if they're just not interested. One guy said, a family said, you know, I really love your project, but uh, my wife doesn't want our kids um, on the internet, you know. So I guess, well, I respect that. Okay, mm-hmm. next, but thank you, <laughs> you know. Um, other people, if they really just don't want their photo taken, I'm not going to push them. But. Um, there are people who, you know, it's just like they have trouble find, finding the time, but they say, I really want to do it though. And so those people, I feel like if they're really saying they want to do it, you know, then I'll keep trying. You know, it's just like listening to them and their body language also. And if they're really uncomfortable, then I'm not going to push anybody who's uncomfortable about it. But if I could see that they really kind of do, but they just, you know, they're a little overwhelmed with their own time frame, then um, I'll try to stick with it and work it out.
Now, one of the things that I hope you do after you listen to each episode is that you visit the website of the photographers or interview. It's there that you have the opportunity to get a full appreciation of them and their work. It's one of the ways that allows us to bridge that gap that separates us. We get to connect to each other through our photographs. It's not just an ego thing. It's not, hey, look how good I am. It's born of the desire to share what we do. No, no, what we love to do with others. It's about sharing how you and I see the world and saying, hey, this is the way I see the world that we're sharing. Isn't it awesome? I don't know about you, but I'm always finding it inspiring. That's why I believe it's so important to share your images and to do it in a way that shows them off at their best. A Squarespace website is the means to do just that, without the hurdle of a steep learning curve or having to compromise with a poor design. Squarespace websites are beautifully designed, fully customizable, and easy to create and maintain, but you can find out for yourself. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off on your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Well, the other body of work that I recently saw of yours that, that really spurred me to want to talk to you was the series that you've been doing uh, about your husband um, mm-hmm. called Second Time Around. I mean, I think that's just... It's, it, it brings up a bunch of different feelings for me. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's not as simple as I could describe it, but it's, it's much more, uh, complex isn't the right word. Um, you know, you're photographing your husband, your, your husband from your second, second marriage. Mm-hmm. But I think when people take a look at the photographs, they see that you're doing something more than just documenting someone you live with. And, um, Tell me about, well, tell, describe what that is, because I'd like for you to describe it rather than me. Um, you mean about just the photos themselves? Yeah, or uh, what you're doing with, with, with the photographs. Okay, well, yeah, I, you know, I just found it, I guess when, um, after I, I met Joel and then we, we got married and we were living together, um, I started to... Well, I was photographing him because I was, it was delightful to me. Like he was delightful. It, we, it was just fascinating the way we felt so comfortable together right from the beginning. And having been married for so long before, I just, you know, was just comfortable living with, with a man and doing uh, in the mundane day-to-day living. So, but there was this excitement too because we were a new love. And uh, totally in love, newlyweds. So it had that that thrill of some, you know, of new love and uh, getting to know somebody and all the quirks and and everything. So I, I think um, I started to photograph him because I was just fascinated by him, and also I felt that I was in the photo too. Yeah, you, you know, certainly looking at feel him that. with like love and humor. And um, him doing his little things, you know, taking care of his plants and cooking, you know, because he's into cooking and or he, he's like into doing his organizing things and all his little hobbies and interests and just sort of following him around the house and just catching him 
in his quirky moments or even going with him to the barbershop and he, he has a shave and how he looks totally happy, you know, and, and, you know, just, he's, you know, it's, it's sort of fun to, to look at him mm -hmm. and it's with love and it's with humor. And I feel like I'm in there with him in the picture. Yeah. That's something I certainly feel in, in, in those photographs because there's such ordinary, almost mundane moments that you capture but they're so intimate. And I think the photographs are really infused with that. And your presence is certainly felt um, when I take a look at those uh, those photographs, which is one of the reasons I, I love them, because I think about my marriage and I think about the, the... I see so many of those moments in those shots. And there's... You know, go ahead. Yeah. No, I had um, experimented with uh, the uh, remote and I had... Um, put myself in some photos with him. I, you know, I had us in bed, like cuddling and all mm. that. But then I said, man, that's not, that's almost like the breaking the fourth wall. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It wasn't necessary. I felt it, it's more that I'm in it when I'm just observing him quietly. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, I was reading in the article about how you see yourself and how you see each other differently because this is you're older you're falling in love at a much different time so your priorities and the things that you would consider in a relationship are, are much different talk to me a little bit about that yeah well you know some of my young friends who are um like on internet dating uh you know maybe they're in their 30s or early 40s and they you know they tell me oh this guy but you know he does this weird thing and he does that and i'm you know all the quirks and idiosyncrasies of someone, I've seen it all. Um, and I have a very high threshold for baggage and quirks, and so does my husband. Because we're older, and I think when you're older, you're more accepting um, of, of people, and you have a higher you know, threshold, you have a broader sense of what, what's important in a person, and what's mm -hmm. important for a, a a true friend and somebody to spend a lot of time with and to be a support and a, a partner. Then when you're young, you're looking for these exterior, well, you have a checklist. Yeah. And, you know, that checklist goes out the window when you get uh, past 60, I think. You know, you just, first of all, you're, I'm experienced more. I think we're more experienced at looking at people and, and making those judgments about what's right, what feels right. So, um, yeah, we, we definitely both had the higher thresholds and, um, and even our bodies and our looks and, you know, you, you get flabby and you get crepey and you get gray and, um, that's okay. It's who we are. Yeah. I, I, I love that about your, your photographs cause it's all flaws and all, but you can see that, that you, your affection for him comes across in the photographs. And yeah. Yeah, and, I'm so glad. Yeah, uh, but 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 tell me about his his collaboration with you because it's um, opening your up to someone's camera, particularly when you know the images are going to get out there. That could be you know a minefield in some relationships. So the, the, tell me about well, you know, that, it was that. so funny because at first um, he like I was taking a crit critique class and um, I st had started doing this this body of work, this project, and uh, I would bring the pictures in. And he said, but don't bring the one of, you know, with my tushy or whatever it was. And I said, well, <laughs> why not? He said, well, I didn't want people to look at, you know, look at me naked like that. 
And so at first I didn't, but then there was another woman in this critique class and she was also photographing her husband and there he was naked. So I came back to, um, to Joel and I said, Joel, you know, this other woman has, her husband doesn't mind. He's out there. Well, I don't know. It's so funny. He said, oh, and then he thought about it. And then, you know, he said, okay, you could show them. And that was it. And then it's just like a, a switch flipped or something. Mm. And he was totally fine with it and he was enjoying it. And um, as long as he he's okay with the way he looks, he doesn't matter what part of him you show. As long as he feels like he, he you know, he looks okay, like he doesn't look particularly bad or in a photo, which I would never show somebody looking bad anyway. But, you know, as long as he's fine with it, he's fine with it. And it was so cute because he came with me to uh, – Photo Lucida. To, he, he was touring around Portland when I was doing my reviews, and then at the in the Portland Art Museum at night they had uh, the portfolio walk where you set out your wares on the tables and mm-hmm. the public come and look at your photos. Who was flipping his own photos to show people, you know, <laughs> tushy and all? Joel. <laughs> he was showing, and and it was really very sweet. I'm I'm just thrilled that he is fine with it. More than fine. I think he's he's happy now about it, and he, I guess because he recognizes that it's it's all about love. Yeah, you know. And also, a lot of my photographer friends are like, oh, they all want to meet Joel. Like he's famous. When <laughs> oh, that must help. Oh, it does. Oh, it does. Yeah. It helps a lot. Yeah. So, so he's very very supportive. Yeah, um, I keep the camera, you know, in the house, um, just ready for action. And if he's, you know, out on the terrace with with his trees, little bonsai trees, and I see a certain something, um, I will just be able to run over and, and shoot or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I do. And when we go out, uh, I don't ha- carry it with me all the time because it's big and heavy, but... Um, I try to when I I know there's going to be a situation I will definitely have my camera with him with me. Um also now I've been taking it out because around uh, my building complex I'm trying to get some exterior shots as well to add to the you know to kind of give it context. Um but you know it's tough because I use my uh Instagram. I use my phone a lot. Mm-hmm. When I'm just going through daily life and I don't have my camera um that's good sometimes just for sketches or ideas or just for fun just to be photographing what's how's that experience for you as compared to when you're using your your canon i love it i just love it it's just like having my little buddy camera with me all the time and doing things that i wouldn't do with my big camera like photographing people on the subway you know i would never pull out my you know you know, digital, uh, my SLR and start photographing people on the train. But with my handy little iPhone, they don't even know I'm doing it. And it's really fun. You know, I have just little slices of life that I'm, I just enjoy it. So if I have to go to work and I can't photograph because I'm working full time, at least before work, I can have a little fun, uh, shooting. Yeah, so I, I really, I love it. Yeah, I loved a lot of the sites that you had on your Instagram, particularly on the subway. I mean, Thank whenever you. I've been in New York, I, it's one of the things I really like to do. And like you said, having the phone makes it a lot, lot easier. Oh, yeah. 
right. could just concentrate on the, you know people's inter you know reaction interactions and all this kind of thing with without their knowing it and I it's just sort of a freedom and it's it's a lot of fun. Do you think that working on these projects, the one in the apartment, the one in your husband's, that having something to really sort of focus on over the long term has really helped your skills as a photographer? And if so, how? A hundred percent. Yes. I think when I was sort of just shooting uh, randomly, like, oh, I'd like to take your portrait and oh, I'd like to. Um, that was fine. But now that I'm, you know, working on bodies of work, um, you know, editing and sequencing uh, is very, very important. And those skills are just so so great to have and to keep developing. Um, and it's frustrating, but but you know you've, the, the interesting things come up. Like for example, like I photographed somebody two days ago, and whatever I chose from that shoot, now today I would I was looking at different photos already because you know you get wrapped up in something personally, and then when you but you have to step back from it and then edit it later. Mm-hmm. Because then you'll look at it differently from when you're you're so steeped in the emotion of it. Um, but yeah, I felt I feel it's really helped my photography. Um, help me helps me trying to focus on the nuances of of a project and what makes it interesting. And like I know I'm in, interested in it, but what's how is somebody going to look at it? What is going to draw someone in, and what is going to keep someone there? Who, who have you come to, to trust or rely on for feedback on your on your photographs? Do you have other photographers, other artists, other people who you sort of turn to and say, you know, I really trust their their opinions about work, especially when you're in the midst of working on something? Yes, um, I do. I have some photographer friends who I always, um, you know, I really appreciate when they um, like my work. Um, Two of them I can think of now, Russ Rowland and uh, Paul Kessel. Uh, Ruben Natal San Miguel, he, 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 um, I was in two group shows this year. And um, so when he likes something, you know, I, I really feel good about it because I know he, he, he has a high, you know, he has a good, good eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had teachers who are just beyond, they're just so wonderful. Um, Amy Arbus and, uh, uh, Karen Marshall. Uh, Karen Marshall, I think, really taught me how to um, look at my own work and edit it. Um, although I would still, sometimes when I, honestly, when I do a shoot just like two days ago, I was like, what would Karen like? What would she say? You know, mm. because I, I try to, you know, try to use her method all the time. So I, that has stuck with me. Uh, I think she's, she's, a, she's a master at um, editing and sequencing uh, so yeah, I've learned from people that way. Well, Stella Kramer, who's a, a consultant and she's not a photographer, but she's a photo editor and she's, she's really wonderful. And she also has a really good eye for editing and sequencing. What was the hardest thing to, to sort of, cause editing I think is, is really critical. And I think it's one of the harder things to learn because you're often so close to your work. Yes, um, exactly. What, but what do you think was the, the, the most critical thing to get past or to learn in order to be an effective editor of your own work? To try to take your personal, my personal emotion out of it. Um, like if I was talking to somebody and she was telling me something particular about her, her dog that died and she's sort of, you know, sad and that sort of talked to me and I was photographing her when she was talking about it. But then down the roll of film or, 
down the <laughs> down the row in Lightroom, um, there was another image that sort of every all the physical elements came together, and there was still emotion coming from it. That's the photo I should take, not the one where I was wrapped up in the emotion. So it, but it's hard to separate yourself when you're editing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. sentimental, there'll be something sentimental. And I think that's been the hardest thing to just pull away from the sentimental, the personal. With the Joel workers hard because it's all sentimental and personal, but I still have to pull away enough to say, is this a, a good photograph? Does this tell a story without people knowing the backstory? Yeah, because sometimes I go into critique classes and people will, they'll show you a photo and they'll say, well, this is what was happening during this was blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if I'm just looking at the photo without you talking, I have to like the photo. It has to come, it has to talk to me without listening to you talk about it. Yeah. So I have that, I try to maintain that for my own work all the time. And it's really hard to say, okay, if someone were looking at this photo, they don't know anything about anything. Would this photo talk to them? Yeah. And, and above uh, above the singular image, you're having to think about how these images work in relationship with each other. Because I don't know what the number of images you have in that portfolio of your husband, Joel, is. But if you're dealing with just 20 or 24 images, that's 20 or 24 images from hundreds, if not thousands of images. Exactly. That is really hard. Because sometimes, even though you like an image a lot, it may not fit in the mix mm -hmm. somehow. It may not fit with the other images. And so you have to let it go because it, in the sequence or, you know, it's just one extra photo of him sleeping, even though, but you want to use the other one because somehow it goes more, I, you know what I mean? It, like right. you want to, another thing is you want to keep variety in the, within the portfolio. Like I don't want a picture of him, you know, at a certain eye level, like a certain distance for 24 photos. You want to have some you know, wide angle, some very close, some, you know, you want to have a variety so it doesn't get boring. Some from a little high, some from a little low. So, um, you know, you're always trying to like put them together to keep it flowing. So, you know, personal projects are like your, your children. Yeah. You know, you're, you're always very dutiful about them. You're always trying to protect them and take care of them. But eventually you have to let them go. Mm-hmm. And when you think about your projects, whether it's building one, whether it's the project that you're doing on your husband, what are your ultimate hopes for for these projects? What what would you like to happen with them? Well, you know, it's funny. The um, one about my husband, um, I had no ultimate hopes at all. I was just doing it. It was just for an exercise. But when um, I showed it to Elena and then she put it on Lens Scratch, I've gotten so many nice... Uh, Strangers have reached out to me, but you know, emailed me. Um, a lot of them, widows or widows who remarried, and said, "Oh, yeah, you know, it reminded me of my own story." Or, "Oh, I hope that will happen to me." Or, you know, it's so that has been really gratifying. I, that I mean, I, I just feel so wonderful about that. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see. You know, it seems like it's something that resonates with with people um, personal for those personal reasons. So I never thought of that being in any kind of form, like a book. So I'm not sure mm -hmm. about that one. The building one, I would like to make a book. I, I think it's, I don't know, I feel like it's uh, that it's a book. 
Um, but I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to figure out like the nuancing and the sequencing. And uh, that's part of the reason I'm going to the portfolio reviews, you know, just to get some ideas or people, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it's true. I'm, you know, people who saw this body of work said it, it should be a book, but I just don't know what kind of book, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm still working that one out. But, you know, it's funny because when I f- shoot, when you shoot, you say, like, well, it's, it's great to shoot and just satisfy my own needs to do it. Um, but, you know, they're photographs. They're two-dimensional objects and you want people to see them, you know. So um, I just feel like um, the building one project is another New York history kind of thing, yeah. you know. And so just for that reason alone, I'd like to, to be archived in some way. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I have them recommend another photographer for our listeners to mm-hmm. discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Okay. Um, I would say uh, Karen Marshall, who I mentioned is uh, a mentor, uh, who's a f- wonderful photographer. She's a wonderful editor and teacher. But she also, in her own right, is a wonderful documentary photographer and uh, she's been working on a 30-year project about uh, female friendship. And she started with these uh, girls who uh, were living in New York City, um, I think when they were teenagers. And she has um, photographed them over the years. And she's going to have an opening in, uh, at Hampshire College where it's going to be a retrospective of this work. And it's going to be multimedia. And uh, I think the opening is in October, but um, I, she's really a wonderful photographer. And so I, that's who I recommend. Oh, nice. Well, and where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Well, um, <laughs> they can go to my website, but it really needs, uh, I, I, that's my next project is up, upgrading mm-hmm. my website. But at SusanRosenbergJones.com. Uh, I post a lot on Facebook, Susan Rosenberg Jones. And... Um, I'm on Instagram with the same long name. And uh, yeah, please, you know, email me and contact me. I'd love to hear from people. Well, Susan, thank you so much for making time for me this morning. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, thank you. I love your show. And it's really nice talking to you, too. Thanks again for joining me. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. The Candid Frame is a member of TWIP, a network of photo-related podcasts. You can find more great shows on your favorite topic by visiting thisweekinphoto.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.